Coming up on this week's episode of the Zenial Odyssey podcast. Some of the articles that uh, I have been looking at have talked about some very big things that I think we don't think about. Um, so we're going to work our way backwards. And it's got a, this is like a long kind of reverberating effect. Whereas for uh, younger millennials and maybe even older millennials like myself, um, the anxiety and depression, it's there. That's just, to me, that's just common life, regardless of generation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the XOP, the Zenial Odyssey podcast. Your host, Bobby Rocks, here. And boy, do I have a nice little topic that just fell in my lap for everybody on this episode today. So I was at work a few days ago, and I was a part of a a roundtable discussion with uh, fellow administrative uh, level staff and some administrative level staff above us, and we were talking about uh, intergenerational struggles that we are having with our workforce. And I uh, remained quiet, uh, most of that because I'm an introvert, to be completely honest, and there were more than like four or five people a part of that meeting. So when the numbers go up, I tend to talk a lot less, but I did listen. And I heard some some misconceptions. I heard some frustrations. I heard a lot of different stuff from people from multiple different generations uh, but I did not really hear any solution or outcome. And some of that was honestly because it was a, it was a safe space. It was a, just a venting session. Uh, but there was um, an upper administrative level person that said they do co- collaborate with uh, people in similar positions in other organizations. And they do cross um, kind of assistance, if you will. So I walked away from that thinking, well, there's nothing in the moment that we can really take out of this for solutions. However, uh, for the podcast, I feel like I have another topic to discuss. And so, here I am, coming to you talking about it. Uh, this is a typical podcast for us today. I mean, typical format. We're gonna give. I'm going to give you that little introduction, then we're going to play a song, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to just bang it out. I'm going to talk about some of the stuff I've researched and some of the stuff that um, I feel is valuable and some stuff that I honestly will start to apply uh, to my area of my work. Um, Kind of being an unofficial uh, sample size, if the greater company wants to use it, that's great. Uh, If not, and if it works in just my little area, that's I think that's beneficial. And ultimately, if it helps people to feel a part of a team to feel valued and to know that they are a stakeholder and they have a say in things, then yeah, absolutely. And I'll go into that a little more when we do come back. Um, however, you know, we'll, we'll do this. We've done this little introduction here. Um, don't mind me. I'm just looking at a clock. Uh, and as always, yeah, we'll come back. I'm going to try something a little different this time. I uh, Over the weekend, I cut a couple promos for the stuff I usually do shout-outs for. So I figure I will throw those in uh, around the song that I pick, and uh, we'll just kind of see how it goes. I mean, you know, this is the first season. This is kind of the first, my first real foray into this, and I'm just, you know, trial and error, trial and by fire. And we're going to see how it sounds. And if it don't sound great, we'll just move on. We'll do something else. Um, 
but yeah, the focus, um, the focus of the the vent session, if you will, was on working with millennials and how frustrating it is, and just from what I know, I mean, most of the frustration that I heard people talking about was really actually towards the oldest people in the Generation Z, um, because these are people that are in their late teens and early twenties, uh, and. And I, I'm hearing people talk about these millennials, and it's like, well, I'm a millennial, and some of you around me in this room are millennials. So, I mean, we're talking about ourselves. They did a lot of, like, hot potato. That's those millennials. That's not me. Um, and so these are things I'm going to just delve into a little bit deeper in uh, when we come back from the song. So without further ado, let's just get that song rolling. And as always, everybody, thank you for coming to the Odyssey once again.
And we're back. I feel like a game show host when I say it like that. It kind of makes me self self loathe <laughs> that I did that. But anyway, let's get back into the topic. So, um, everyone was playing hot potato. People were just kind of <laughs> labeling and uh, throwing labeled Molotov verbal Molotov cocktails, uh, and we were all like, Eesh. "These, you know, these millennials, this, that, the other thing." And uh, I'm just sitting back, being quiet, taking it all in. For uh, I know I talked about it a little bit, but uh, being an introvert, so I'll kind of delve into that a little more. I am an introvert. Um, for some people, maybe maybe it's like, but but you're you're here solo doing a podcast, or you do podcasts with other people. You facilitate. You ask questions. You you carry on conversations. Well, number one, I mean, right now I'm staring at an empty microphone in my kitchen. So I mean, that's pretty easy. And this is going to be uh, something where people aren't listening real time. And even so, when I was doing uh, Where You Been with Pat McDonough and friends. Um, I, I eventually got to the point where I was like, I, there's nobody listening. And I thought it was just four of us, four friends, four people that enjoyed each other's company that were just listening to great music, picking great music. And then we come on the air and talk about it. And then, yeah, I become self-aware when someone would call in, uh, we had a few, we call them quote unquote super fans and they would be like, Oh, I want to talk to Bobby rocks. I want that was an awesome pick. And they'd start going down rabbit holes of deep tracks for bands I'd pick. And then. And then I feel a little uncomfortable, but I digress. So, yeah, I'm an introvert. Uh, and what I specifically mean by that is um, if I know you very well, I'm very sociable. However, um, once we get, once if we're around more than like three or four people, that's when I'm self-aware of my own anxiety. And I, I, um, for some reason, I just, I don't, I would rather um, not carry a conversation at that point. I would rather defer. I'll still uh, take part in it, but I'm deferring. I, I, I'm i cool with the fact that I don't have to carry a conversation at that point, and I can let other people do that, uh, especially extra, extroverts, because let's be honest, they would just carry it anyway because they're extroverts. So again, we're in this meeting set. Um, we're in this meeting session and there's about 13 people in the room. There's people that are in similar positions to me. There's people in positions higher than I am. There's people who have been with the company longer than I have. I've been with this current company 18 months. There've been people that have been there for 20 years, 30 years. And so these are people with a lot more experience than me. Uh, and I still feel like I'm in that role where I'm learning. So these people to me are valuable, um, staff there's valuable staff and they have things uh to experiences um, that they can give me to help me do a better job so that's another reason why i'm gonna listen but uh during this i mean it was really a round table of just venting in fact at one point they asked us for what we noticed and problems in our uh specific uh environments that we work in with our employees and they said staffing can't you can't we can't talk about staffing everyone will talk about staffing uh, so you have to go to your number two. And the reality is we we ended up talking about staffing and we would do kind of subversive things to try to get it back around to staffing. And then there was the the hot potato of this this generation just isn't, how do I work with people this age and that and that. And that. Um, so being of scientific mind, as I am, I sat back. I've read a few articles. Um, 
I've read articles specifically on Gen Z. I've read them on Zennials, like us, what we're talking about. Uh, what I like about the articles that I did find is there was a lot of uh, overlappage for millennials and Gen Z and Zennials and Gen X. Um, and then there were a couple articles that I found that talked about working with individuals of multiple generations in a workplace. Um, so there's a couple, I guess I'll call them housekeeping things I want to do before I really get going on this topic. Number one, uh, this is more me personally, because it's something I feel I've noticed, especially with my work in human services um, of people of all ages. I feel that in the millennial generation, and I know I call people of my age zennials because I feel like there's just there's unique things for people from like 1977, 1984, 1985. There's just unique things for all of us. Unique experiences, unique uh, pop culture uh, experiences, unique tastes in music, unique. There's a lot of uniqueness. But that being said, we're still, a lot of us are still millennials, and millennials, the millennial generation goes on into uh, the mid-late 90s. And then Gen Z kind of picks up in the late 90s, early 2000s, depending on where you look. I mean, millennials can go all the way to the early 2000s, Gen Z's really early to mid 2000s. But anyway, let's focus on this specific thing. I, I have found a dividing line, and that dividing line is roughly 1990 or right in 1991. So if you were born around that time or a little before that time, uh, I have worked with people who were very similar to me. They wanted to know. They wanted constructive feedback. They appreciated that they were being watched. They that they were being supervised. They were, they appreciated even if it was stuff that they needed to correct. And then people born a little bit later than that started. They gave me the impression that they felt personally attacked, and and that's something that has come up over and over again. They also came up, um, they came across to me uh, sometimes that um, they, we were equals and they would uh, talk to me as such, even if I was a supervisory person. And so that, that made me shift in my career when I've been in positions of management, that made me shift kind of my approach uh maybe in the moment yeah i was aggravated but i had to be professional and i <laughs> and then i'd get in my car and i just white knuckle my steering wheel and be like um but even after those moments i can always take a, a step back in my mind and be like okay what went wrong in that situation what did i contribute to where that went wrong and what do i need to improve on myself before we even um work on repairing that relationship if it got that far but some of the articles that uh, I have been looking at have talked about some very big things that I think we don't think about. Um, so we're going to work our way backwards from the present to um, the recession to 9-11. These things impact every single generation. And it, just, it, it, and it does impact each generation differently. You know, for example, let's take the pandemic. So, so Gen Z, high school, college, early years of the workforce their lives have been significantly interrupted. Everybody's lives have been significantly interrupted, but if they were in high school, they were doing remote learning. If they were in college, they were doing remote learning, but then if they are graduating from college, what does the job market look like for them? Um, 
a common theme I've heard, especially from um, the Gen Z uh, people that I work with, is they're the ones really sticking up saying they're risking their lives to um, do human service work during a pandemic. And I absolutely agree with them. I just also feel that many of them uh, forget that uh, all of us that do essential work are risking our lives. <laughs> and we potentially risk the lives of the people we uh, provide services to. That's another, these are other things to be mindful of as well. Um, for millennials, maybe those people from the, even myself, I mean, order and stability. I thrive in structure. And I know a lot of people do too. Um, having a significant meaning to the work I provide, I think human services just lends itself to this because uh, you are providing services to help people live the best lives they can. It doesn't matter if you work in trauma-informed care, which is with can be with people with histories of abuse and neglect. Um, it doesn't matter if it's just with straight people who have mental health uh, mental illness issues. It doesn't matter if you work with people who have developmental disabilities to people who have acquired brain. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, it's a very fulfilling job. So that's where my, um, my opinion on people in that kind of workforce is a little, it's different because yeah, it's, it, the work is rewarding in and of itself. Um, we got us Xennials. I mean, Xennials, we we're highly adaptive team players. We're eager to learn. We love being mediators. I, th that describes me to a T. That's stereo those are stereotypes or characteristics that I wholeheartedly believe to myself because that's, that's in my career when I went to school. I mean, I loved those aspects of it, being a part of a team, uh, ha knowing that I was an expert in some area. We're all, everyone at the table was experts in some area, but I was an expert in something. People viewed me as a valued colleague and we all listened to each other and we all worked together. And it didn't have to be a round table of executives. It didn't have to be a round table of administrative staff or management. It could be a round table with management administrators and um, people that were on the front lines. Uh, and that, those environments I find, I found worth thrived when I did them. And it's not easy. So I know I said we we're going to work our way back. So let's go back to the recession. So, you know, Gen Z, they were children. Uh, they, they were children. They were in elementary school, maybe middle school. And maybe that impacted their parents, their lives at home. Um, for millennials like myself or Zen, even Xennials like, my, like myself, I'll, I'll use those terms interchangeably from time to time when I get going on a rant. Sorry. Uh, I was coming out of college and... Uh, again, human services is it's skewed because there's always there's always jobs to be had in human services. And one thing I found during the recession is uh, how many people worked in human services with me who worked in business and finance, and there just were no jobs. And they worked with me for like a year, and then when the job market kind of improved, they went back to um, business or finance, and uh, we kept in touch through Facebook and stuff, and, and it was really nice for them. And they did get something out of it. It was challenging work. I think it changed their perspective. And these are people who are like Gen X, early millennials slash Zennials like myself, so it's a little different. And Gen X, I mean, Gen X is Gen X. I mean, they, they, uh, Gen X has that cynicism, and they're just like, oh, yeah, well, the uh, recession's here. It matches my attitude. Uh, it matches my attitude, and we're just going to silently suffer through life. Uh, that's hyperbole. I'm just kidding. Uh, now let's go back to a big one. I mean, 9-11. So I think for Gen Z, 
where this impacts them is the aftermath. It's um, kind of how it changed the country, how it changed our culture, how it changed the subcultures of our country, how it um, impacted um, the military, how it impacted families related to the military. And, and for millennials, especially millennials, millennials and Gen Xers of my age, it impacted us greatly. I was fresh out of high school. I was my first week of college when 9-11 happened. And I watched it happen live on TV. Um, and I just remember everything shut down. Like I couldn't go to work. I couldn't go to work later that day because everything was shut down. Um, my school was shut down the next day. It, it was just a very interesting time. But also I want to I highlight that it, for a short period of time, there was a lot of camaraderie and patriotism and togetherness. And uh, it's something I haven't seen since. And that was uh, healing. And so an unfortunate thing for Gen Z is they missed out on all of that. And they kind of got the after um, trauma. Uh, they got the after effects of that stuff. But whereas someone my age and Gen Xers and older um, got to experience everything, the the horrificness of it, but the stories of courage and the, and, um, and the wonderful stories of just resilience in people and the togetherness that came out of that, even if it was short-lived. But... I digress. So I bring up all these things because they do impact us. And one thing you hear about, especially starting uh, with with Xennials, um, kind of growing in significance as we move through the millennial generation to a point where it's it's significant with Gen Z as we talk about the impact of uh, anxiety and depression, how many people report it and how it's growing. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, and I'm not going to go into it in great detail, um, because that could be another podcast in and of itself. And I'd rather have an expert or experts in those fields to talk about it, but we're getting into the, um, DNA of an individual genetics. We're getting into genetics. We're getting into nature versus nurture. We're getting into, um, what you are and and I are in our DNA are genetically predisposed to. And the role that the environments we grow up in play in those. And I'm a big proponent of, uh, it's called, you may hear it, Nature Versus Nurture. Or I actually read a book once. It was a fantastic book called in college called Nature, Nature Via Nurture. Um, I'm a big proponent of nurturing. Uh, that's the environment. The role of the environment on our development and how it can alter our DNA and our genes. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. So if you think about it, Gen Z, their parents could be millennials and Gen Xers and the traumas that they experience. So we got COVID, we got war, we have 9-11, we have recessions. And their children through all this, they don't have the developmental skills to fully comprehend what's going on. They're just kind of seeing and and, um, vicariously experiencing the stressors of their parents and caregivers. And it's just... um, and it's got a, it, this is like a long kind of reverberating effect. Whereas for uh, younger millennials and maybe even older millennials like myself, um, the anxiety and depression, it's there. It's not as prevalent as it is with Gen Z, but um, I think some of that is just because of underreporting. I can speak for myself there. Um, and then Gen X, it's a similar underreporting. I think underreporting is a big thing because it's there too. It's I don't think it's there. Uh, so we have like, it's there. It's not as prevalent as with millennials. And the same with millennials. It's there. It's more prevalent than with Gen X, but it's not as prevalent with Gen Z. So these are things to be mindful of. And uh, one of the articles I read, 
spoke about um, organizational approaches to stress management is key. So that's what they're really talking about there is organizations need to change their philosophies and policies to kind of match match their the potential uh, staff members they have. I would rather reframe that to say meet the need of their of their workforce. Uh, I think that's a great that would be a great first step. Maybe that's something I can bring up at, at my job. <laughs> uh, other things is having leaders that are really they have really good skills like an intergenerational support and mentoring. Um, I I personally feel like um, this topic that I'm talking about right here is an ideal topic to have members from like Gen X, Zennial, Millennial, and Gen Z on here uh, to kind of just get people's perspective on things, hear each other, validate each other, and then kind of come to some common ground, find similarities amongst one another, and get a better appreciation for who we are and what we, who we are as people, what we bring to the table. Um, I just feel like that would, that would, that accomplishes a ton. Another thing, uh, that I learned in my little research here is, uh, rethinking the orientation process. Uh, I, I am a whole heart. I wholeheartedly agree with that because like when, when I was being orientated to jobs, I think that, uh, you sit down, maybe you watch a video, maybe you're shadowing other people. Um, it's antiquated. And I think it's being phased out. And it's oftentimes, it's very short. It's very short. Uh, I've had jobs where my orientation was two weeks. I've had jobs where my orientation was a day. I've had jobs where my orientation was a week. It's all of the, I've had a job where my orientation was officially five weeks. Um, By the way, I think that one, I, I was the best prepared to jump in when I needed to. Um, but I, you know, that's just something else. Uh, some other things that we need to do is we need to leave our negative perceptions and labels of, um, generations at the door. We need to leave them outside of the workplace. That's just going to, um, lead to self-fulfilling prophecies. So if you are someone's like just Gen Z is lazy and entitled and all that, you're bringing that into the workforce. And as soon as they bring up concerns or whatever, those thoughts are going to creep into your head and, you're going to have that approach. It can be, it can come across in your body language. And so for anyone who doesn't know, most communication is done through body language. So if you're bringing that to the body language, like as soon as you hear these certain trigger words, you're getting stressed and you're, you can start to wear that. And that's going to change the way someone else talks to you that could put them on defense when they don't need to all these kind of things. Um, so they talk about, uh, one thing I thought was really cool is the mentoring. So if you're really, if you have a really good skill set, um, and you for like the intergenerational support, I think that would be a great wheelhouse for somebody. Mentoring, I think, is very important. Um, and then you know, switching up that role. So you've mentored someone enough. Now let them take the lead, um, and you hang back and you shadow them and you see the things. And they can t- they can then you can have a back and forth where you're more like a peer at that point and you can give reciprocal constructive criticism i think that would be absolutely vital another thing to keep in mind this is more for leaders um especially for uh zennials millennials and to a lesser extent gen z uh emotional intelligence so what i mean by emotional intelligence is 
self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. I'm going to break those down for everybody now too. So self-awareness, let's go back to that person who's got those preconceived notions of Gen Z. And as soon as the stereotypes uh, start creaking, creaking in, um, they start to get stressed or annoyed and it'll play out in their body language and it'll play out in the words they choose. So self-awareness in that, in that aspect is being self-aware when you start to feel yourself get stressed and using some calming skills, using self-regulation skills. And I'll go into that. That's played a large part in my professional career, especially working with people with anxiety and, and uh, trauma histories. Um, so the self-awareness, and it, but it goes beyond that too. It goes beyond kind of reading people. So like reading the person you're talking to, if you can see a physical change in them and you can kind of tell that a conversation is not going to go the way that it should or not be appropriate, then that's a time to back it off and say something like, uh, I feel like we're in a place where this conversation can't happen right now, but I want to have this conversation with you because I feel like it's important for you and me. And let's go into that self-regulation. So that's doing things to keep yourself composed so we don't go into fight or flight. I, maybe some people may think, really? Really? A, a conversation with someone in the workforce? Just a, just a conversation, even if it's formal or informal? Um, you need to know about fight or flight? Yeah, because um, some of those skills, when uh, your beliefs are challenged, it could be a belief in your you have a better skill set. And maybe your boss is telling you, no, you don't. I mean... Fight for me, in my opinion, fight or flight will kick in because I mean you feel threatened at that point, even if even if it's on the most menial schools. And this is where let's go back to self awareness. So, I, I feel like I have pretty good self awareness of myself. So when I get in those situations, my chest gets tight. My I can feel my heart start to pump, and I can feel it in my temples, um, and I can just feel the adrenaline start rushing. But it does. A situation to it. There are times where uh, I know I talked about, oh, well, this conversation is that, but I've worked with individuals like clients um, where if I don't help them calm down in that moment, I mean, you know, it's going to be bad. So in that moment, self regulation is key. I have to keep myself composed because they're all oftentimes they're going off of my cues. And then there's this thing that we don't talk about in here co regulation. So, uh, for example, if someone's loud and, and yelling or just, just loud, I'm going to talk softer. I'm going to slow down my speech. I'm still going to actively listen to them. And the more that they escalate, the more I'm going to de-escalate. So that's an example, very crude example of just how one way I try to co-regulate. And that is a, that's a hard skill to learn, by the way. But it it's a skill that I have learned and I, I would be happy to show and train people on those skills. I think those skills are vastly uh, beyond human services. Those are kind of people skills that I feel everybody should have. Um, motivation. That's really just what are, what are you looking to get out of something? What drives you? How can, as a leader, how can I help support you to fulfill your goals? That That's what we're talking about there. Um, empathy. Empathy is being able to emotionally, on an emotional level, understand where someone else is coming from. And that's where active listening gets involved. Active listening, validating how somebody feels. Again, if someone's talking to you um, and 
they tell you how like how they feel and all that it you have no right to tell them they're wrong i have no right to tell you if you were to tell me that that you're wrong because that is your perception that is your schemas that's the schemas you've created in your mind that's your reality my job to help bridge the gap is to let you know that i'm actually listening to you and i'm here to support you um so that the best that i can so that we can form that bond that professional relationship and that's what i'm talking about with empathy social skills um social skills literally are just being able to read a room being able to encompass all of the skills that i talked about if anybody listening to this thinks that i am a i am i am an awesome with my social skills or i sound like i know everything i'm talking about uh i don't number 1 but most importantly i really didn't uh have these my advanced social skills until i was like in my mid 20s i was about as socially awkward as you can be up until i was like a, in my in my mid to late teens i would say yeah around the time i got my first job at, at shaw's supermarket that's that's when i started to improve my social skills um but i still had a long way to go and i i feel like now yeah i can i know my audiences i i adjust my speaking to my audiences be it uh clients be it the staff that work beneath me, be it administrative staff above me, be it stakeholders, either inside the company or outside the company. I, I, I have enough life experience and enough um, educational and professional development that I have been able to um, really enhance those skills. So now let's get into the importance of people my age. Let's get into Xennials. Let's get, in, let's get into the conversation where a lot of people in that room, I felt, got it wrong. Number one, millennial generation stops at one point, and we have Gen Zs working with us. Um, this is a uh, a work. This a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about comes from uh, an article, and I can uh, post it on my site. Uh, links to all these things. I can even do it in the, you know, in the tags. Um, avoiding labeling. So I mean, right there, right off the bat, we got a lot wrong because it kind of creates an us versus them, a you versus me. It's adversarial. Um, it's not me. You're not like me. Uh, <laughs> there is no I and we. Um, unless we're talking about the Nintendo game system. But again, I digress with my terrible dad joke. Uh, so yeah, we avoid labels. I mean, uh, we all work together. We understand that maybe these generational um, differences exist, but that's not an approach to come at some an issue with. We all agreed that these are issues that we had an that we are having with our workforce, but uh, labeling things. I mean, it may be in that setting labeling, just so we all understand what we're all talking about, like operationally defining, um, is fine. But if we're going to operationally define, uh, millennials as all these characteristic traits and we don't know what we're talking about, well, that's where we have to start. We have to start with, uh, you know, who's a millennial, who's a Xennial, what are the, key characteristic traits knowing your staff and having conversations with your staff is absolutely vital so that everybody so that you you kind of you know what's really important values to them as an individual away from their generation um a big thing is just getting everybody to communicate with one another in some form or another people can learn shared interests 
people can build camaraderie that way. It doesn't matter what generation you're from. If you like the same music or if you have similar interests in TV shows or or hobbies, that stuff is going to just naturally, you're going to want to talk more about that with somebody uh, regardless of age. And that's going to build relationships. I think that that's, these are areas where to start. Um, evaluating skills, not on generational stereotypes. So what that's getting at there is if you're evaluating skills, it shouldn't be, you know, for a millennial, they have really great leadership skills. For someone from Gen Z, they are very humble. Yeah. Avoid that stuff. No, no. It's like, it, you know, they have great leadership skills. They have humility. They show compassion. They have empathy. They have great self-awareness. And these are skills that leaders have. That means someone has shown the uh, potential to be a leader. So we should see, we should enhance those skills. We should help them. Uh, this is my big way, because this isn't just my work uh, approach. This is really my approach on, on life, is that I see around me, take your pick where we divide one another. Generational divisions, racial divisions, divisions of socioeconomic status, political divisions, um, geographic divisions. It, it's endless. Religion, religious divisions. It's endless. And people just, people want, I feel like a lot of people that I speak to want, they want change. They want positive change. They want things to change positively. But too many people get dug into, they want it their way. And there's very little wiggle room. And again, speaking for myself, but it's also speaking for Xennials out there. Uh, they say we're great mediators. That's what I feel like I, I am. I would I love to be that person in the middle, arbitrating and bridging gaps. Because if we truly want change, it, it's take your pick. In the workforce, in our country, in our country's government, uh, it doesn't matter to me. If we truly want change, it's we. And with that comes conversations, listening to one another, hearing what each other is saying, and finding common ground, connecting. Because it doesn't matter if it's getting your workforce to run in an optimal level, or in your everyday life, or if you're, if you're um, looking to bring people together for a common goal or a common cause. Not everyone's going to view it the same way. Not everybody has the absolute same ideals. And there's got to be a little give and take and sacrifice and compromise. It doesn't matter if it's work. It doesn't matter what it is. That's a, to me, that's just common life, regardless of generation, regardless of anything. And I think that's a good place to, uh, to jump off here. I think this was a, a good conversation for just being myself. And yeah, that, all of this came out of 15 minutes of a 90-minute uh, meeting that I had at work. And look at, the, look at the rabbit hole it takes me down, even if it was my intention or not. <laughs> I got off, I'm getting off my soapbox now. And I feel like, uh, again, it's just a good place to stop. So hopefully next time, I, uh, for everyone out there, I did talk to Remy. So he did commit. He did commit that he would be on the next uh, several episodes. And it's my hope that uh, he will be on the next couple episodes. 
and um, we will see where those adventures take us, where those odysseys take us. But as for this odyssey, as always, at the end of a show, this odyssey has come to a close. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for sticking it out if you did. Um, And we will talk to you next time. Take care.